Talking Dharma podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I am your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's episode is called Live Your Truth, and it's inspired by an entry in the Bhagavad Gita. That entry says, Better is one's own dharma though imperfectly performed, than the dharma of another well-performed. Better is death in the doing of one's own dharma. The dharma of another is fraught with peril. Now, before we get going into this, I want to define the word dharma. Dharma literally translates as that which holds together. But a looser translation, especially in application to one individual, Dharma is your highest spiritual path. A very detailed definition of Dharma, which I'll read straight out of the Bhagavad Gita, says, Dharma is the inmost constitution of a thing, the law of its inner being, which hastens its growth and without which it ceases to exist. The dharma of a man is not imposed from outside, but is acquired by him as a result of his actions in his past lives. Thus, every man, in a special sense, has his own dharma, which determines his conduct, his righteousness, and his sense of right and wrong. So when we talk about better is one's own dharma, though imperfectly performed, what the Gita is saying is it's better to walk your own highest truth path because it is totally authentic to you and it is what your heart is calling rather than to follow in someone else's footsteps because it is the path of least resistance. As it goes on to say, better is death in the doing of one's own dharma. The dharma of another is fraught with peril. And that peril is that we fail to express our highest purpose in this lifetime. If we always get caught on following the flow of the mainstream, trying to fit in, trying not to create too many waves for other people or our own family with our decisions, then we fail to acknowledge what our heart is calling us to do. Following our highest dharma is a matter of following what is authentic to us. And it might change throughout our life. And it's important to acknowledge that your dharma today might not be your dharma tomorrow. But regardless, if we're tuned into ourself, our dharma acts as our internal compass for all of the decisions we make, whether it's around where we want to live on this earth, who we want to be with as our partner, what we do as a profession, and also our food choices and other very personal choices that we make for ourselves. 
Nowadays, there is so much influence from the external world always imposed upon us. Not only do you have social media and movies and TV and magazines, but you also have societal pressures to be a certain way. For example, if you are born into a family of doctors, the pressure might be really high on you to become a doctor yourself. But what if you never wanted to be a doctor? What do you do? Do you follow the path of least resistance, the path that your family has told you to do? Maybe you have medical school paid for. Maybe you feel a lot of pressure to follow that path so you don't disturb any of your connections with your family. But if deep down you are full of resentment as you follow that path, then 20 years from the point that you graduate medical school, for example, you'll be miserable because maybe you wanted to be a dancer instead. Maybe you wanted to go and dance in the ballets in Paris, in New York. If you squash your internal urge, if you squash your highest calling for fear of what may happen, you are in a dharma. And a dharma means basically not righteous. A dharma means things are not in order, things are not being held together. And anytime we're in a dharma with ourselves or others, we are also generally not in harmony. The Upanishads, which is another ancient yogic text, mentions that there are four noble pursuits when you are in a human incarnation. The first one is Kama. Kama is pleasure. Pleasure in all the forms it can exist. Whether it be pleasure from being outside and swimming in the ocean and feeling the bliss of that. Or pleasure from eating a delicious piece of cake. Or pleasure from receiving a massage or maybe even taking joy in a nice conversation with a good friend. This is stated to be one of the main purposes of existence, is to not only seek pleasure, but also fully enjoy it. And think about it, it's our inner calling to constantly seek pleasure. When I wake up in the morning, I look forward to having that nice cup of tea, not just because it wakes my brain up, but because I truly enjoy the entire process of making the tea. It brings me joy, therefore I do it. The second noble pursuit is Artha. And Artha is your livelihood or your profession. And this, of course, drives us in the material world because we all need money to survive, unless you live at some commune where money is obsolete. Congratulations. But most of us need money to survive. And the way we obtain money is through our artha, through our profession. Your profession, of course, may or may not be in alignment with your dharma. If it's not in alignment with your dharma, you're probably very unhappy. For example, if you work a nine to five office job, but you really want to be out doing landscaping, You'll sit there at your office all day, staring out the window at the beautiful trees and the birds, 
and wish you were out there. So your profession is connected to your dharma, but it's not your dharma itself. If your profession is in alignment with your dharma, your highest spiritual path, then you'll be very joyful about it. You'll look forward to going to work. It won't even feel like work because you're so wrapped up in what you're doing because you love it. The third noble pursuit is dharma. And again, dharma is your spiritual path, your deeper heart calling. And dharma connects to artha, your profession, and kama, pleasure. Because your dharma determines what you're going to be drawn to and what you're repelled from as well. So for example, for myself, my dharma with others is that I help them feel really comfortable being exactly who they are. I have felt this from the time I was a young adult, that my main purpose was to help people feel loved and supported no matter whether they achieved everything or achieved nothing in that day. So I chose to become a body worker from a very young age because it was how I felt I could help people connect to themselves. Helping people connect to themselves is my dharma, and it was my dharma then as well. Eventually, my artha, my career, started to help me live my dharma. People get confused. They often think their artha, their career, is their dharma. When I've had teacher trainings and I ask people to write about what their dharma is, I get these big lists. They'll say, I'm a healer. I'm a chef. I'm fill in the blank. I'm a yogi. Well, yogi might be part of your dharma, but it's not your dharma itself. Your dharma itself is normally something deeper. It's beyond all the external details of how it manifests. And it can be a challenge to differentiate these two things. So often when these teacher trainings are going on, when people list all of these external careers that they do to make money, I have to remind them, okay, But what's deeper than that? What do all of those things have in common? One of my students said, my dharma is freedom. I want to feel free and I want to help other people be free. He said, I've lived my entire life in accordance to this. I'm always looking for freedom in every corner. Even when I was in jail, this is what he said, right? Even when I was in jail, I was able to find some freedom simply by connecting with others. And that was such a perfect answer because it's so true. Finding freedom through connecting with others was his dharma and he knew it. And this man, every time he walked into the room, I felt a little sense of lightness in my being. I felt a little more free in this person's presence. After he read that essay, some of the other students had to reconsider. They're like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm not just a farmer. I'm not just a doctor. I'm not just a actress or fill in the blank. I can't remember what everyone said. They had to dig deeper, and that's what I'm inviting us all to do is say, okay, your dharma is not your career. Your dharma is not necessarily your external desires, but your dharma does drive those things. <laughs>
So you may ask yourself, well, what is my dharma? And this is something that only you can answer because as long as anyone else answers for you, it's externally imposed upon you and so therefore it cannot be yours. For example, in the past, people would always tell me, Kristen, you are a really natural leader. You need to do something that helps you hone your leadership skills. And I was like, hmm, I can see that. And I never understood why I was able to gather groups and help everyone move forward. Eventually, I realized it's because I help people feel comfortable. And when people feel comfortable, they start to shine. Their confidence comes out. Suddenly, they're doing things that they would never have dreamed they were doing. For example, teaching yoga. I witness this in trainings all the time. In the beginning, there's a lot of people who are shy, who have a lot of self-doubt. And by the end of the training, they're teaching an awesome class. They're expressing themselves. Maybe they're even cursing accidentally because they feel so open and so safe in front of the group. So eventually, I came to realize for myself, being a leader is not my dharma, but the fact that I am able to help people feel comfortable in their own skin, it brings people together and it helps guide them towards their own highest expression of who they are. So being a leader is an effect of my ability to help people feel authentic and feel empowered in that authenticity. And it's important that we all identify our dharma because it, it's like a compass. It helps guide us in every single step we take in this life. The fourth noble pursuit from the Upanishads is moksha. And moksha is liberation. And I truly believe that the way we walk towards liberation, meaning total freedom from any bondage, of our mind or the external reality. I believe the way we walk towards this is by following our Dharma, following our highest spiritual path. This concept of walking our own highest Dharma is so important that it's mentioned again at the end of the Bhagavad Gita in a very similar way from what I just read but I want to read this one as well. It says, Better is one's own dharma, though imperfect, than the dharma of another well-performed. He who does the duty ordained by his own nature incurs no sin. So it's saying, Better we walk our path in alignment with our heart's deepest calling and make 10,000 mistakes in doing so, than to walk a well-trodden path of another and be flawless. Because in what seemingly is perfect, oftentimes something is missing. And if we're always following what is laid out for us already, first of all, we're lazy <laughs> because we're not willing to stretch our wings out a little bit and realize we can fly rather than crawl. Second of all, we're playing it safe. And playing it safe 
leads to a life full of regret. If we always stay within this comfort bubble, we never get to experience our highest potential. Experiencing our highest potential oftentimes comes from making a lot of mistakes. I know for myself, in this path of being a yoga teacher, I have failed maybe more times than I have succeeded when it comes to having big events like retreats and trainings. But that failure has made my successes even sweeter. It's made me really grateful for the times whenever things do work out. Take, for example, with teacher trainings. I just had to cancel an advanced training for situations beyond my control. And although I was sad about it, I wasn't disappointed because I know that in the future, whenever things come into alignment, I will have that advanced training and I will be all the more grateful and present in that training and full of gratitude because I know what it has taken to get me there. So walking our Dharma doesn't mean, oh my gosh, you've identified your highest truth. You've identified what you bring to the table and now everything's going to unfold for you perfectly. Quite the contrary, oftentimes we start to get met with resistance. Oftentimes we start to have self-doubt and also others who are close to us may doubt our decisions. But this is the point where you buckle down, you stand firm in your truth. No matter whether people approve of you or not, it doesn't matter. The end of your life, what matters is do you approve of your life? Do you feel like you lived a life that you are proud of? That you feel your grandchildren will say, wow, my grandmother or my grandfather was amazing. You can be an inspiration for generations to come by simply living your truth. And of course, that's not the goal, but it is a byproduct. People who live their truth and walk their path without apology, without backtracking out of fear of what others may think, these are the Bob Marleys of the world. These are the Nelson Mandelas of the world. These are all of the inspirational people you can dream of. They have lived their truth. Even when others didn't approve of them, they kept moving forward. And because of it, they sparked the truth in other people's heart. And that's a really magical byproduct, if you will, of being fully established in your own highest truth. Is that your mere presence helps people feel their heart a little deeper. Simply by walking in a room, other people will light up because when you are in your authenticity, when you are walking your path that brings you the most joy, your joy is contagious and so is your realness. Suddenly people feel really comfortable. So walking our Dharma is not only for our personal gain, if you will, it's for others. And that's where it gets really deep is when we realize that by us following our heart's deepest longings, we help others live that same truth. I don't mean live the same truth as your own. 
I mean, we help others identify what their truth is because they're like, hey, if she can do it or he can do it, why can't I? And of course, we know there's no reason why not. The truth is always there. It's just a matter of looking inward to feel it and then having the strength to follow it and apply it to our livelihood, apply it to pleasure, apply it towards the freedom way of moksha or liberation. Because no one ever reached enlightenment or liberation from being in denial of the truth. That is for sure. We reach liberation by stripping away all of the external until what we're left with is our self alone, meaning our soul. We feel the indwelling spirit of the divine within us. And once we're able to feel that fully, without any doubt, we awaken. Following your heart's deepest longings guides you towards moksha or liberation. The Gita goes on to say, One ought not to give up the work to which one is born, though it has its imperfections, for all undertakings are beset with imperfections, as fire with smoke. Let me repeat it. One ought not to give up the work to which one is born, though it has imperfections, for all undertakings are beset with imperfections, as fire with smoke. So even the Gita acknowledges this. Not everything we do is going to come off perfectly. If we are always attached to not making mistakes, we will be too afraid to take one step forward. It's like staying in the kiddie pool when you have this great big beautiful ocean right in front of you. What do you choose? It's pretty obvious, right? What brings the most joy? Staying limited, safety bubble, there's no sharks there, there's no jellyfish, but there's no waves either, there's no sand, there's no water rushing over your body, exhilarating you. And this is a big metaphor. Yeah, maybe you will get stung by a jellyfish when you go in the ocean. But if you let that fear of getting stung by a jellyfish prevent you from getting in the ocean ever, you're missing out on a huge part of life. What I'm saying is, if we always play it safe, even when we know our dreams, especially, then we look back on our life and think, I wish I would have done that. I regret not doing this. And you can ask people more and more who are in hospice or getting ready to die, and they'll tell you, I wish I would have taken more chances. I wish I would have trusted myself more. I wish I would have loved a little bit deeper. And so knowing this, why would we waste any time to do that? We think, oh, I'll be happy whenever I have this much money in the bank. Then I'll actually implement walking my dreams. Well, what happens if you die tomorrow? Then deep down, you will know, maybe in that instant of your death, that you didn't live your truth. And that's on us. That's not on anyone else to live our truth. No one can actually live your truth for you. 
even if you're really deeply involved with a beautiful relationship and your truths are running parallel, you each have your own highest calling. And even if you work on projects together, that's great to collaborate as long as it is in alignment with both of your highest dharma, your spiritual path or your spiritual calling. I know for myself, there have been many times where I've doubted what I'm doing, especially with teaching yoga. I've thought, oh, I've just got to get a regular job. Maybe I need to go to college finally. Maybe I should give up on all this. It's not working out. And then suddenly I show up to teach one of my afternoon classes and the room is full of people and everyone is loving and kind and lit up by the practice and it reminds me why I do what I do. So it's good to lean in to the external confirmation that you are right on on your path but it's even more powerful to lean into it when it you don't get the external confirmation. It almost tests the strength of our character. How much can you lean into your highest spiritual calling no matter what? Better is death in the doing of one's own dharma than the dharma of another, for it is fraught with peril. What is the peril? The peril is losing yourself in it. The peril is going so far away from your center that you forget essentially who you are. If we get so caught up in the external details of everything that we forget the core essence of our being, then we are out of alignment with ourself. And anytime we are out of alignment, we will feel lost. We will feel like we are off of our path. And we will feel disconnected to others. So this idea of feeling what your dharma is and following it, no matter what, will allow you to feel like you have found your calling. And then it doesn't matter whether people approve of you or not, because you approve of yourself. It will help you feel like you are right on your path. When you're in your dharma fully, you realize there is no such thing as being off path. And likewise, because you'll be joyous, because you will be tuned into yourself, naturally you will be able to connect with others in an authentic and meaningful way. So if you're asking yourself right about now, I wonder what my dharma is. The best thing you can do is sit down, maybe with a journal, and start writing out the things you love the most about being alive. You can go from the most blatant physical things, like, I love yerba mate. I love sunshine. You know, go there, but then start getting deeper. I love what it feels like when I am in my authentic self. I feel empowered. And keep going deeper and deeper until you feel like you've hit the deepest part of what you love about being alive, the most, most subtle part. That is usually your dharma. Allow your dharma 
to guide you in every sense of the word. So if you love helping people, if you want to dedicate your entire life to selfless service, then you will naturally be inclined to go into a profession that allows you to help people. If you love creating things, if you love when the creative energy rises up within you and expresses itself outwardly, then naturally you'll go into a career that allows you to be creative. You'll find great pleasure in following that path. So pleasure, livelihood, spiritual path, and liberation are all connected. But the guiding compass of all of it is your highest spiritual truth. Is your dharma. Whatever you are calling into your life right now. Most certainly is in alignment with your dharma. Because you would not be calling it in if it was not. Whatever your deepest dreams are in this life. That is your truth. The longer you put them on hold, the further away you go from your own highest calling. So there's no time like now to begin to take little baby steps towards what you are calling in. Because the more you move towards what you are calling in in this life, the more firmly grounded you become in your dharma. Living your dharma is living your truth. And living your truth is the way that you bring the love that you have inside out into the world. And this is truly the medicine the world needs right now. So whatever you have to do to call that love up from deep within you and shine it outwardly and shine it inwardly again and shine it outwardly nonstop, do it. Not only for yourself, but for all of life. Live your truth. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Aloha. What's that sound? To the wave.
step of self-realization and the pranayama will bring you mental power. You'll be able to control your emotions and gradually you become self-controlled. So yoga is really wonderful because in a very short time, one year, two years, three years, you may reach your enlightenment.